Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked on Bulls. In today's episode, me and Pat are going to break down the Bulls' big win against the Atlanta Hawks and what was a very fun game. We're going to get into all that and more right after this. You are Locked on Bulls, your daily podcast on the Chicago Bulls, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for tuning in to Locked On Bulls. Remember the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. That's Pat, the designer, host and creator of the Windy City Breeze. I'm Hayes, host and creator of Chicago Bulls and Chicago Bears Central. Pat. The Bulls, man, three games in a row. We back rolling, bro. They get a win against the Atlanta Hawks. They win this game by 11. One of the more uh, defensively engaged games from every member of the Chicago Bulls roster. This is a game that I think almost everybody who checked into this game had a a key defensive play at some point in this game that helped the Bulls out. We get a big game, a double-double from P. Will, 18-10, and 10, 14, 17, and 7 from Nikola Vucevic. DeMar scores 26 points on 21 shots. And um, Zach Levine also over 20 points. We had six players overall in double digits. Pat, how do you feel about this game? I thought this was one of the best games we've seen from the Chicago Bulls as a whole. Uh, you got contributions from everybody. You, 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 you had, like you mentioned, the defense. I thought that um, the guys stepped up at the right time when you needed them to, right? I th- and, and here's the thing. I, I give – I know a lot of people wanted to come out and say uh, that, that jet lag shouldn't play a part in this game and, and that they, they shouldn't be bothered by – listen, world-class athlete or not, these must flew halfway across the country and, and played and practiced and trained in, at a time that wasn't their normal time. They're still human beings, and uh, I, I think that you saw that in that first quarter. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, you saw it for most of the night. They, they didn't shoot the ball, oh, my God, lights out tonight, right? Like, they, they had their moments where they struggled. They had three-minute scoring droughts. They had 17 points in the four, first quarter. But the thing to me was, and, and the question that I had coming into this game, was how do you overcome that jet lag? How do you overcome those moments, right? I think it's still something the Bulls are going to be dealing with throughout the week. But the, the thing is, right, there's always been that obstacle that the Bulls have had all season, and they haven't been able to overcome that obstacle. It seems like tonight they were able to overcome that obstacle, uh, and, and they negated their poor scoring by upping their game defensively. And it seemed like there was just a great game plan in place. It seemed like there was a great game plan set out for the team uh, um, to to take advantage of what Atlanta was trying to do. And I, I, I thought, listen, when we talk about the Bulls, right, a lot of times when the Bulls win, we talk about the Bulls in the sense of, hey, great team win in the name of the players. But Billy Donovan coached a heck of a game out there today to me. And I thought he, I thought he did a really good job getting the timeouts in, um, not allowing Atlanta to get on runs. I thought he did a really good job with the schemes that were put in place. And I thought overall, right, like, I don't know what Andre Drummond, why, why, why there's no Drummond love, but he put him in there. He got one dunk, and then we never saw him again. But, uh, <laughs> he also got dunked on in there. He did in get dunked time. on. He did also get dunked on. So you know, it might go to it. But I, I thought that overall, right when I looked at tonight's game, I really felt good about how the Bulls played. 
Yeah, I, I feel I feel this was a really good team win, and the way that Patrick Williams stepped up in the fourth quarter, uh, how we attacked the 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 offensive glass tonight as well. Eleven offensive rebounds from the Chicago Bulls tonight, like that's what you want to see from this team. Um, and they just played a game that was it was just they they looked like a competent team. I'm sorry, fifteen offensive rebounds. I miscounted on that one. Um, they just played a game that was just a team that went about their business, believed in the game plan, executed that game plan, and the key thing is with this. In the third quarter, when Atlanta Hawks briefly took over the lead, that's usually where we see the Bulls start pressing, right? Taking quick shots, bad shots, right? Trying to make the three-point shot to get him back in the game. The Bulls responded to the Atlanta Hawks briefly taking the lead with a, all right, we're going to dig in defensively, play even better, and we're about to execute our offense. We're about to move, pass up good shots for great shots, play as a team, push the pace. And it was even when the Hawks did take that lead for the first time in a while, it didn't feel like the game was gone. It just felt like, all right, now we about to, we about to go on our run. Yeah, and and I thought the biggest thing in in that whole sequence there was that um at times right over passing the ball. And and that that seems to be the theme, right? Where the Bulls get in the, the ball movement mode, sometimes they overpass the ball, they get a shot clock violation. But the thing that I said in the first quarter that proved true throughout the rest of the game was if you continue to find yourself good shots, eventually you're going to knock some down. These are Zach Levine's a, 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 a top. I don't even know where he ranks this year, but at one point he was a top 12 scorer in the NBA. Uh, DeMar DeRozan is one of the best mid-range players in the league. Uh, Nikola Vucevic is dominant down in the post and had an excellent game today. I love when him and Kelly Capella play because you just end up looking at their stat lines the entire time and just be like, bro, what the heck is this? <laughs> Why do y'all both have 22 and 22? Like, So uh, I, I just – I I love – the fact that the Bulls were just trying to find the open shot. They were trying to find the right shot consistently. And it worked out for everybody. And I love the fact that not in finding that right shot, we saw Patrick Williams in positions that put him, gave him an opportunity to attack the bucket and draw some fouls, right? Again, I, I've, I've talked about this. When you have a good game, that good game can turn into a great game if you just get to the free throw line a little bit and Patrick Williams had a nice game, right? With six for 11, a lot of, a lot of layups, got a couple of three pointers to fall, stuff like that. I was two for four from the three point line, but five free throw attempts, knocked down four. Just makes that stat line look four points better. And four points better is 18 and, and, and what, uh, 11, 18 and 10. I mean, four, 14 and 10 is still a pretty good stat sheet for Pat. But, yeah, I mean, eight. The like, like you said, him being aggressive. And it seems like slowly but surely he's starting to understand not only how to pick his spots a little bit better and when he needs to shoot it, but also the benefits of just using his body, crashing the boards, getting in the right position, boxing people out. Patrick Williams boxed people out. Probably some of the best I've seen in his career. He guarded, like, five different players today. There were times where he was on Trey, times where he was on Bogdanovich, times he was on uh, John Collins, times he got switched on um I think it was I saw him on Adrian Griffin a couple of times like it, this is the type of game and impact that Patrick Williams can have this is why AK believes in him so so much because it just when you look at he flashed the the skill set that he has and why a game like his can really fit in on any team he just needs to be focused and aggressive yeah and and the biggest thing with P will to me is just finding it, it it's it's the impact that I talked about Javante Green having on this team. I'm not. This is true. It's, I, 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 we're not seeing P. Will get plays run for. 
He he didn't get plays run for him tonight. He he caught caught some nights, did he? Uh, no, he got a couple of plays called. He, he, he had three plays called for him. There was a pick. There was a pick and pop at one point. There's a high pick and roll that was called for him that he passed out of. He didn't take the shot, but it was a play call. You could tell it was a design play called for him. And then there was another one out on the three point line. That I don't know if it was a play call for him. I think that was just Demar keeping his heads up. Yeah, so, DeMar, yeah, 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 yeah. But but even that right, like, okay, what's your impact outside of that? You yeah. know what I'm saying? That's three plays. But tonight we saw the impact outside of it. Those Javante Green moments. What are you doing? I'm around the I'm around the rim. I'm snatching rebounds away from people. He literally was like snatching. Re- I was like, I ain't know he can rebound like this. Like, like I've seen <laughs> it like in flashes, like he'll give you a six or or seven rebound game. But he was he was snatching rebounds away from guys like Clint Capella and John Collins. So I really thought people did a really good job today. And you know what? I, I think. I know we've always talked. We we keep saying this, right? Is this the turning point? Is this the, but the basketball that we're seeing this team play on a much more consistent basis is a basketball game that is now putting the teams that aren't above five hundred in a place where you're not going to be able to come back. And we've already seen it work versus the Boston Celtics, the Milwaukee Bucks, and the uh, the Brooklyn Nets top teams and stuff like that. So I. I really feel like this is a moment where the Bulls need to hone in on what they're doing right now because this is the path to success. I, I completely agree with you. This is like the, this is the time for the Bulls to make their move, uh, especially with the Indiana Pacers a spot above them. They're in a seven game losing streak. Let's let's hope that their streak continues, even though the Bulls have been breaking streaks. Let's hope that the streak continues. Um, and so like. Uh, and we and we just get that win over that team, and we could very well, realistically, if the Bulls, per what we talked about before, win the week, right? Yep. They have three games left. You just got to win two of those. We could be talking about a team that's back at five hundred by the end of this. We could be talking about a team. Uh, I, I need above five hundred. There's a slight chance of that. Above five hundred. Uh, yeah. I, I feel like that. That's what the Bulls um, really are going to. You know, start start to sn- have that snowball effect, just just breaking that one barrier. But I mean, over this span of what fifteen games, we've seen the Bulls beat the Bucks, we've seen the Bulls beat the Nets, we've seen the Bulls beat the Sixers. No Joel Embiid. Um, we beat the Jazz. They now beat they now beat the Atlanta Hawks. They beat the Golden State Warriors. The Bulls. I, I know there's like the losses in there, and there was that three game loss losing streak in there as well. But the Bulls are racking up some really really good wins that. As much as as skeptical as I am of this team, I have to give them credit on the fact that I, I didn't have them beating some of these teams that they are beating. No, I didn't have them losing to some of these teams they was losing to as well. But yeah. I didn't have them beating some of these teams that they've been beating. And so uh, they they're really showing like that they've turned the corner and they and they're trying to put themselves in a really good position here. Yeah, and let's hope that this continues for the Bulls. The way that they've been playing, I've talked about it over the last month. The Bulls have a top 10 offense and defense and a positive point differential of 3.9. The 3.9 point differential is the pace of a 52-win team. So if the Bulls can continue playing at that level for the rest of the season, we could very well get out of that playing area, and we could see that the Bulls control their own destiny. They have to play well. So. What's what's the what's the one thing about this right where we're at that you feel like it still gives you the apprehension, still gives you the because I listen, all Bulls fans got it right now. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, it looks great. I, I don't know, but I don't know. You know what I mean? What what's what's the part that still 
holding you back from going all in on how this team's been playing? I just need to see it for longer. I, I get it. It's it's been 16, 17 games. The Bulls are eleven and six in the last seventeen, playing much improved over that stretch. But for me, it's just it, the Bulls looked so lifeless at times early in the season that. A month, a hot month, it just doesn't turn that around for me. Like, I don't know exactly what needs to happen for me to not have that fear in the back of my mind anymore of, hey, what if is, is that other that other team going to start rearing their ugly heads again? Um, but I love the way that the big three is playing. They're actually playing like a big three that 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 that, you know, comes together and is leading this team. Well, the role players are stepping up. I just I need to see it continue because even tonight, like Io passed up at least three wide open threes and hesitated. The first one, it was the third play of the game, and Io had a wide open three. He went to dribble, stopped, looked like he was going to go ahead and shoot it. By then, the defense closed out on him, and then he made a bad pass. It's things like that that it's like, I get it. If Io was on the bench, it's like okay, our starters can overcome that. But like, we need something from every role player on this team. We we don't have the type of team that can have a role player that can have an, a, a huge off stretch of like four or five games. One game, okay, we can overcome a bad night from anybody with one game if it's a different player every night. But like, it's just so much going into this team that it's just like, I have to see it. I have to see it for a little bit longer, bro. I just have to see it for a little bit longer, man. Oh, I'm with you. I told you, five games above 500 for me. One. Yeah. But but I think that this is an opportunity for you to start moving in the right direction. The schedule is breaking in your favor for once. That's now, this true. week's a little tough. You got four games in five days. But the, the schedule, for the most part, for the Bulls, right? Like, I said this over on uh, – uh, well, I, I guess it will technically be later on in the podcast when you'll mm-hmm. hear this. You have the Indiana Pacers crossover with Locked On Bulls, Locked On Pacers, me and Tony East doing that. So make sure that you guys uh, listen into that as well. But the, the thing that, that – I was really looking at with the team is just that now you're starting to see them kind of the NBA screwed us early on with the scheduling. But Mm -hmm. now as I look at the schedule, I'm like, okay, it's kind of going in our favor. Even Paris three days off one game, three days off. No one's getting that. I know it's jet lag. There's all that. Nobody's getting that kind of rest in mid season. Yeah. You got a bye week. Yeah. Basically, and that and that and then you come back for two weeks, and then you got the All Star break. You get another little extended break. You have to take advantage of this. And and here's the thing: with how our schedule finishes off, we have an opportunity to go on a real run. It's just about if they're going to do it, because we will have. But we had no rest. We will have more rest than any team in the NBA after All Star break. That's a good point. And Bulls have another long stretch. So after February sixteenth. They don't play again to February 24th. They get eight days off. Did I do the math right on that? Yeah, eight days off. I like, crazy. You, I like how you didn't trust yourself for a second. I had to think because, bro, I be talking so fast sometimes. I'm like, wait a second. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. You got to use that to your advantage, man. And, yeah. and listen, none of them are getting it. So <laughs> use feel- it to your advantage. Yeah. Like, nobody's going sure. to – Zach Levine's not going – DeMar's not going. Vooch ain't going. Nobody's getting it. Use it to your advantage. Maybe I didn't <laughs> He said it. nobody's getting it. Nobody's DeMar's getting probably going to get in as a reserve if he keeps playing this way. I can see him getting in as a reserve. Oh, no. uh, I'm trying to think. Are there any? Io's probably not getting in, in on the sophomore. Well, no, it's not even sophomore rookies no more. What is it now? I forgot what they call it. Oh, that's some weird World shit. versus. Yeah, I don't know. I don't care. Yes, I don't know. <laughs> I don't care. I'm not watching. I'm not watching that. I don't care. Uh, 
We had to go get a G League. We, we got a G League in the dunk contest, bro. Yeah, that yeah. says everything you need to know about All Star Weekend. Um, yeah, I mean, you would think that there's going to be an open spot too, because Halliburton it was voted in. He's in the top for guard, so you're going to have to replace that if he's not if he ends up not playing. If he does, there's that rumor that he's going to be out the rest of the season. So if that comes to fruition, you do have to do something there. Maybe. Maybe somebody sneaks in, right? But I, I don't expect you to see a ton of minutes from a Chicago Bull in the uh, in the All Star game here, and and that's that's the the best thing to me that you can you can take advantage of. Yeah, I mean, hey, take advantage of the rest where you can. A lot of teams aren't going to get that, but uh, I know this is a quick episode of Locked On Bulls, y'all. But that is it from us for today. For now, uh, I do got to uh, do uh, this ad read before we go. But then we're going to go to some pre-recorded things on the on the uh, video for tomorrow. But um, for those that don't know, we have a new sponsor. That is FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here. We're really excited about our new sports uh, betting partner for Locked On because they are the number one sports book in America, and that's FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers join today to get started with a $150 in-free bets guarantee. Uh, when you place your first bet, fi- uh, first $5 bet, just sign up at FanDuel.com slash Locked On. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads and player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet and get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash LockedOnNBA. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Locked on crossover time. I'm Tony East, the host of Locked on Pacers. He's Pat, the designer from Locked on Bulls Central Division Battle tonight. Pacers and Bulls have already played this season, Pat, but uh, that was a different time. <laughs> Before <laughs> Halloween, I think the Bulls had a winning record. The Pacers were 1-4. and four. It was Miles Turner's first game of the season after he rolled his ankle on a ball boy on opening night. That feels like six years ago. It was three months ago. Where are the Bulls at now? They've won five out of eight, and they are right on the Pacers' tail in the standings. How they look right now? Can they beat the Pacers in this game? Uh, yeah, I mean, this is a game that the Bulls should come in and, and be able to play some pretty good basketball against, right? The Pacers uh, dealing with some injury issues, of course, and I think that that's the, the major part that kind of puts them behind because I will say, right, if Halliburton uh, is a go for this, like that, that's a completely different um team to go up against the Bulls have really struggled against running gun getting out on the run let's get the ball moving they, they've struggled to get back defensively on those younger teams like that um not to say that you can sleep on the Pacers completely because the Bulls have a tendency to lose uh basically any game that we think that they should win uh but I, I think that this is one where uh with the Bulls playing better basketball and with how they're playing better basketball right adding DeMar DeRozan back in coming off an injury this should be a game that the Bulls are able to lock up. Yeah, they they have the the type of player that the Pacers struggle with this season. They have two of them, really. Well, they've struggled with a lot of players, but like <laughs> shift, shiftier guards like like Levine DeRozan are just tricky for them from a matchup perspective. They DeRozan hit the one-legged three to beat them last year. Levine's always been pretty good against them because of their athleticism, right? They have some good defenders, but not against some of the laterally quick guys, and Levine's lost some step this year because of his knee injuries, but 
those two are pretty tough matchups for the Pacers. So even if they do shut those guys down, they have to worry about some other successful Bulls players this year. And they're getting some good Vooch recently, which is always scary. Him and Miles Turner are always pretty even in their matchups. But from an on-court battle perspective, that worries me because, like you said, the thing that the Pacers could do well against Chicago is run and gun, right? The Bulls are not particularly fast. Well, without Tyrese Halliburton, they they try. Their pace yeah. is still really high since his injury, but it's too fast. They need to, they need to play slower without him. They can't copy that identity when they don't have their best player. But they've tried to, and that I think has hurt them. I think they need to slow it down a little bit. But that also kind of plays into the Bulls' hands of the way they want to play. So I'll be interested in that stylistic battle and if the Pacers can find a way to defend really well because at practice today, that's what they were talking about, right? They've got to be better on defense. They gave up 130 uh, to four straight opponents. Uh, during this losing streak, right? Just brutal stretch of defense. They've got to defend better, and it's going to be tough against this this Bulls. I wouldn't say high-powered offense, but it's pretty good, right? Pretty good. It it, it depends on which, which version of it you get. Yeah, it, it really depends on which version of it you get. And when you look at the Bulls' uh, net rating uh, moving forward, right? To start the season, the Bulls were the epitome, the epitome of a 500 team. Their net rating was at times one, at times <laughs> negative one. They were on offensive rating of 115, a defensive rating of 114. They just kept fluctuating up and down on that. The epitome of a 500 team, which is where they find themselves just trying to get back to right now, right? But over this recent stretch, right, they've really gotten the offensive rating up. They've been playing a lot better defense when it matters most, right? Like, I, I think it's a lot to say that I expect a team to play four quarters of defense in the modern NBA. The 90s are over. The early 2000s are over, everybody. It's okay. We can get over it. We can move past it. For modern basketball, they don't play much defense for four quarters, right? So uh, I think when you see this Bulls team now, but at times playing better defense in the right situation and having the right guy, being having uh, being able to shut down the guy standing across from him, that's what you see most, right? And they're coming off a game in Detroit where that guy was uh, the guy I was worried most about was Killian Hayes being back in uh, <laughs> Paris, right? Because I was and, and it's crazy to say, but literally just like going home, being back in hair in Paris. Uh, I thought he was going to have a really big game. I would assume who said, nah, bro, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, they're going to see you have a really awful game today. And so that's that's the most important thing, right, coming into this game. Miles Turner going to be there. Of course, a, a guy that I, I'm a big fan of in Ben Matherin um, th that I think could, could do some really good things against this Bulls team. Those are kind of the guys that the Bulls are going to have to focus in on defensively if they're going to want this win. Yeah, that's a, we'll get to this in a second, but that surprised me about the Bulls is like, their offense took a step back from last year, but their defense took a step up without significant personnel changes. That kind of yeah. surprised me. But I'm going to ask you a very odd question about the Bulls. Let's do it. So the Pacers had this trip a couple of years ago in the preseason. They went to India. They played the Kings. And I asked a bunch of players about this, like because Draymond Green, when the Warriors went to Japan, was like, we were jet lagged, like coming yeah. back for preseason. It like took a long time to like catch up. And then you're finally on your own schedule, but you've like been working out at a different time. Like all this stuff kind of had a ripple effect. And, the Bulls have only played one game in seven days, and that that isn't as big of a jet lag as the Pacers in India or the Warriors in Japan. But you know, do you get any sense that they're like gonna have any sort of hangover effects? Because this is a back to back for them too, right? They're playing the night before yeah. the Pacers, so I'll be curious what you what if you think them playing in Paris is gonna have any sort of ripple effects going forward. You know what I. I, there's a lot of Bulls fans that, that are out there and they're just like, you know, I don't want to hear about the, the jet lag. And the, and I understand these are world-class athletes that do nothing right. but go out there and play basketball all day, but they're human beings, right? Like <laughs> you fly halfway across the country or, or you fly multiple countries, I should say. Uh, there's going to be some kind of effect. I think it really just depends on what kind of effect uh, that's going to have in the long run, right? So 
is there going to be some effect? I'm sure there is, no matter what. Like, they, they're still human beings. That they're no different than me and you. They just run faster, jump higher, and make a lot more money. Um, but outside of that, I mean, we're basically the same. Tony East, point guard of the year, somewhere. Um, but I, I think the big thing here is, right, like, how do you overcome that? And that's the one thing that's been a question mark with the Bulls the entire time. Not to say that, hey, and the NBA, right, for, for an NBA that has kind of screwed the Bulls scheduling-wise this year, the Bulls have had the most back-to-backs. Uh, um, or or will have the most back to backs or top top five I think it is uh, by the end of this season right like they they have had multiple weeks of four games in one week right like this is actually not that bad you literally played a game on Sunday you had three days off played on Thursday you got three days off here you are again playing again on Monday so while yes it, it is going to be hard for you you got to be able to overcome that because it, and that's been the biggest question on the Bulls the, these issues are going to be here no matter what. How are you going to be able to overcome that and take that next step, get to that next level? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. The Pacers and Warriors, many other teams too, but those are just the two I'm the most familiar with in the situation. We're fortunate that it was preseason, right? They had you know two weeks <laughs> to to get over it and and pun to rest or whatever. The Bulls don't have that, right? It's the middle of their season, and they have to have these back to backs to be able to do a game in Paris. But that kind of sucks, right? It helps your global brand, but it also hurts your literal immediate on the court impact. I mentioned this a second ago, and I want to actually talk about it. The Bulls defense is above average this season. That is surprising to me, especially because Lonzo has not played a second yet. I almost just said Lonzo hasn't played a down yet. I don't yeah. even watch football. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why that phrasing crept into my brain. Uh, like, how? How is the Bulls defense as good? Because I look at them on paper, and it's like, I see a million matchups, and I'm like, oh, the Pacers could, you know, they can stretch Vucevic out if Miles Turner's hitting his threes, or you know, basically besides Caruso, it's like they can make Levine move, they can make DeRozan move, you know, they can Kobe White's an awful defender. Like they'll find advantages in all these sorts of matchups. And then you look and it's like, oh, they're above average. Yeah. How are the Bulls this good on defense? And what kind of players have crushed them this year into the Pacers? Have any of that type? Uh, I, th- I think this this is the um the numbers lie moment in sports, right? <laughs> Uh, not to say that the Bulls haven't been a better defensive team at times, but the Bulls' biggest problem is uh, literally every game we talk about which quarter are the Bulls going to basically give up 35 points in. And then right after that, you'll see the Bulls give up 14 points in a quarter. You'll see the Bulls go out, right? So it, it's it's about picking spots and picking moments, but the, there's been – I think now the Bulls are picking it more intelligently. And what I mean by that is there were times where – the Bulls would be down 25 going into the half, but they would fight their way all the way back. They get to the fourth quarter. They find a way to win that game just because you have enough talent to be able to do it, but you're exhausting so much energy to get there. So defensively, right, they always have had it. I, I've said this, right, like me and Hayes have joked about this over on Locked On Bulls a ton. Uh, we we have nicknamed Damar, Amar Arnell Arosen, uh, because very often he doesn't play D, so we're not going to give him the D in his name. Um <laughs> But the thing that you see from DeMar is he has the ability to. And when it, when it's those fourth quarter moments, when you need him to step up and be in the right position, he can do that. So I think the Bulls defensively this year, it's just been about consistency. And um, they have been consistent in the moments where you, you need them to, but there's not always that moment where you did enough offensively to overcome, even though you're playing better defensively. So it's it's fun but it's very up and down this season um and as far as defenders right like 
the Bulls have plenty. I think Zach Levine is really taking a step forward defensively this year. I think that's the biggest thing, too, right? Your, your highest paid player um, being on the court, being active. And he was a better defender last year. Being able to take that step forward, I think that's so important. Because when Zach Levine's playing his best defense, the rest of the team plays defense really well alongside him. Of course, Alice Caruso, right? We know what he's known for. Uh, you look at guys like Javante Green, uh, who's missed some time, and, and and you know what he can go out there and do defensively. He's a guy that you talk about his five Javantes out there. Uh, but I think when the leader of your team steps up and says, hey, who's got this guy? Don't worry about it. I got this guy. That does a lot for you. And I think you guys do have somebody. Uh, I think you guys have a couple of guys like that um, that – it, it might not always work out in their favor, but they do at least try to take that mantle of leadership and step up and say, you know what? I'm going to defend this guy. And, and my favorite one, I, I told y'all, I'm I'm a Ben Matherin fan. Seeing him against the Lakers just be like, I got LeBron. I was like, I don't know if you got LeBron, bro. <laughs> not a bad take, though. Not a, not a bad play. Okay, all right. You know, it's like, I, I think he's a guy that could come up and do that. Of course, Miles Turner, you know, down low. He's, he's blocking shots left and right. Um, but, but I think you got some guys that are going to be leaders of this team long-term that get me excited because they're in year one or year two, year three, and they're saying, Hey, this is my opportunity to step up and take over. So that's something to look forward to. Yeah. I think it's going to be the Pacers forwards that are key to breaking down the bulls in some sort of capacity. They don't have a lot of good handling forwards in terms of breaking down the defense, but you know, guys like Aaron Neesmith, you know, can he make his shots or Shea Brissett? Can he knock down his shots? Neither of them have been shooting particularly well of late. It's going to be important for them to like keep the bulls in rotation and, and be threatening because their guard defenders are where they're better. Right. IO. And like you said, Levine's taking a step forward. Caruso, obviously when I was in Chicago, I talked to him about defense because the Pacers defense was trash (laughs) at the time (laughs) when those two teams played. So I asked him about what it takes to play good on that end. I'll be curious. How that actually shakes out because the Pacers, Pat, need a win in the war, the worst way, right? Just got beat by the Suns without their three best guys, seven losses in a row. I mean, they, they're in a tailspin. It's tough, and there's a reason that this game could have uh, big standings, big tiebreaker. I can't believe I'm saying this, but Pacers-Bulls can have tiebreaker implications. <laughs> Here we are in February, so... I, I- it's a positive for you guys. It's it's the negative for us. We weren't <laughs> supposed to be here. <laughs> we weren't supposed to be at this uh, at this stage either. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing how the actual game goes. Thank you, everybody, for making either Locked On Bulls or Locked On Pacers your first listen today and every single day. Hop on over to Locked On Sports today for your second listen. Go behind the scenes and beyond the scoreboard for the biggest stories in sports with the local experts here at the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Pat, I want to talk to you about team building unrelated to this game like the bulls did something they have kind of done this in an interesting way right ever since they traded jimmy butler they've kind of slowly tried to add pieces around the yeah. guys they got in that trade and then you know vucevic was first DeRozan was second but there's obviously a lot of other important guys they've gotten along the way like caruso for example um the way i've I, so i started off this season thinking the pacers were not going to be a play-in or playoff threat and thinking, I want to talk about team building with everybody to see what the Pacers can copy from other teams. They're actually good. So that changes the the conversations. But still, in your eyes, looking at the Bulls, what have they done well or poorly in building their team? And is it possible for other teams to copy it or ignore the things that went poorly? I, I think the one thing that I'll give that probably most Bulls fans hate, right, is that, and I think the Pacers are going to have to do this, is the first thing you have to do is make your team relevant again. Both our teams have been in a space. Um, I mean, the Bulls last year, right? They they took a real jump in relevancy. But both our teams have been in a space over the last what five years, six years, where 
you had no shot at somebody looking at your team and saying, hey, maybe I want to go there. And I think it's even tougher for smaller market teams like the Pacers and stuff like that, where you look at them and say, hey, listen, I, I might like the pieces there, but not for nothing, Indiana. You know what I mean? And, and it's it's not a slight, but this is how a lot of free agents are going to look at it. And so I think the thing that you have to do first is make the team relevant. I think that's what the Bulls realize. The trade for Vooch, um, when you look at it now, right, there's a lot of people that can look back and say, oh, this isn't what you this isn't what we had advertised this isn't what we wanted right but people forget there was nobody wanting to come to the Chicago Bulls there were no free agents that wanted to be a part of this organization and so we went out and we got a big name player we had to trade for a big name player Did we have to give up something that hurts a little bit yeah Franz Wagner looks pretty freaking good um but you were able to then go out get you a guy who was able to look at DeMar DeRozan and say hey uh if L.A. don't work out, why don't you come on over here? Now DeMar's in the building. Now you're building a team that people want to be a part of, right? The Gar Foreman years really pushed down our image, and I think very similar to what the Pacers could do. Um, if you have an opportunity, which they have, honestly, right, if you have an opportunity to make trades for players that are going to bring other players there, I love the fact that they traded for Halliburton. I love the fact that now they're going to be able to build through the draft a little bit, but they've got that piece there that people are going to look at and be like, I wouldn't mind playing with him. He's going he gonna to give me the ball in some really, really nice situation. My numbers are going to go up if I play with him. So I think the Pacers are off to a really good start with that. And then the other thing that the Bulls have done well that I know Bulls fans hate, and it's the word that we heard all offseason, but you've never seen a championship team built without it. You have to have continuity. The Bulls came into this season, basically kind of kept most of the same roster, right? Added a couple of pieces. You had Drummond, you had Dragic, a couple of pieces that fill roles for the team. But for the most part, they came back with the same roster. And with how the season has started, we're 45 games in now. Fans are like, this is what continuity gets you. This is how you, you get to this point. But the biggest thing that you have to look at is Giannis and them went through very up and down seasons continuity though they kept that team together they became a champion boston goes to an nba finals they've kept that team together for years and they just keep being like oh, let's throw another big man in there let's throw another old big man in there let's let's just bring back al horford recycle old big man adds uh, add other pieces around it continuity if you have what you feel is a good core is going to be the most important thing to turning your team around and i think the pacers have a really nice young core here um, and if if they can just keep this thing together, whether through all of the clamoring about you got to make this trade, you got to make this trade, you got to get rid of this guy, I think the future might be a lot brighter than maybe a lot of Pacers fans think. Yeah, two good points there to address related to the Pacers too. Like the Pacers kept their old era intact in for a while, and their their present basketball operations. Kevin Pritchard talked about continuity a lot, like thinking it would be an advantage for that group and injuries just completely decimated their chances year yeah. over year over year. But they tried that, right? They thought that would be an advantage for them with other teams making changes and things like that. And your other point was about, you have to get the relevancy to attract guys like the two bait. This is you know, for, from your side on the bulls. This won't sound like that awesome, but the two best Pacers free agents, maybe ever, certainly in the last you know 15 years are David West and Malcolm Brogdon, right? And David West joined, when Paul George looked awesome and it was like, oh, wow, these guys look great. Like, this is a good place for me to go to win. And that worked out great. They were one game away from the finals against the Heatles. They made the conference finals twice. Malcolm Brogdon, same deal. It's like, oh, my gosh, they just pushed LeBron to seven. Like, if once Vic comes back, this team could be awesome. You know, I'm, I'm going to go play there. And he wanted to be a point guard, too. But you know, that all just 
worked out for those guys that yeah. when when you're good, pe- people see that, right? You can lure guys in when you're actually good, even if you aren't necessarily a glamorous market. So I think there is something to that of you know sticking with your core and building it up with as much continuity as you reasonably can to then be relevant to to build out the rest of your team. And for, to me, the other part of continuity that's nice is like I think fans are more attached to a team with players that they've had in that market for a long time, right? I think part of, look, the Warriors are super fun and awesome. And <laughs> they've won whatever, four or five championships yeah. in the last nine years. But I think part of the reason they're so popular locally is like all those dudes have been in Golden State for forever, right? That's so cool. Like, I think the Bucks are going to be really popular for a long time because they've had a lot of the same core for a long time. They drafted Giannis, like all this stuff, all these fans have seen their whole career. So I think there's value to that as well. So even beyond like certain good decisions or bad decisions you make, thinking about how to organically build a culture, a relevant team, an interesting roster, there is an element of like having your young pups grow up and set all that up for the long-term success of your team. Yeah, for sure. And you very rarely, right? I know that uh, the, the 2K mindset is the mindset that people go to quickish, right? And and maybe watching NBA for as long as, as we have, right? Like we got to see that era where like you could have legit, you could have young players on your team and they would be bad. And the team would hold on to him for four or five years. And you'd be like, wow, this guy sucks. Like, he's not good. And they'd be like, yeah, but we drafted him, so we have to hold on to him. So maybe that changes our mindset with a lot of things there. But I think the thing is, right, like, we see so many overnight successes that a lot of times we miss out on the guys that aren't the quick hits, the guys that aren't uh, the guys that come in and change a franchise right away. So then once you miss that, then it's got to get this guy out of here. You got to ship, trade him away while his value's high, he's still young. And that's the value right there. And the, the honest truth is you don't see those teams win championships very often, right? Like the one time that we really saw a team and they still lost the first year, even though they didn't make the finals is when LeBron went to the heat one massive or, or three ma- two massive signings in the offseason and LeBron goes to the heat it, it took the best player in the world at that time to go to Miami for them to get to the finals and lose and the reasoning was that they've stated multiple times is because we didn't know who was supposed to be closing out fourth quarters they go to next year continuity works because they know how to close out fourth quarters Bron ball You know what I mean? So I I think there's a lot to be said about holding on to the guys you have, trying to build through that. I think both of our teams are in a really good position right now, especially I think you get I'd be honest with you. The Bulls are kind of in more of a win now mode. I would think the Pacers future, especially knowing that you have a point guard that can facilitate a lot, is very bright. And Pacers fans should be really, really excited about what can come, especially if teams around the league are starting to look at Halliburton and be like, hey, man. I can, I can be a really nice player with him. <laughs> he already almost convinced Aiden to get to come here. And like the seven game stretch they've been on, they've been losing a lot and guys who are really good when he plays some, they've, they've been up and down, right? They've had some games where they look like the guy they are when he's out there and they have some yeah. games where they look terrible. It's like, well, you're like that every night when he, when, when Tyrese Halbert plays, it's like yes. that value is so important to other dudes, not only in coming to a team to look good, but like they want to get paid, right? If they, Play awesome with the Pacers, great. They have more value everywhere else. So that is certainly valuable as well. I think the Bulls have been an interesting case study team of, you know, like the speed of which you ramp up and how much you're willing to stick with the choices you've made. Because I think the Bulls are about a season away of if they're not good next year, if they're going to go, oh, crap, you know, we didn't build the core to the level that we thought we did. Yeah. 
but you can't give up on it quick if you make big decisions. Like everybody's already talking about the Timberwolves, like making changes. I'm like, they just started this yeah. thing. Like let them add some talent around this guy they just traded for. Sure, it looks awful right now. I'm not gonna dismiss that, but like give it give it a chance. Like you know, the the Bulls are are going for a while for it, and I think that's good. I think it's better to give more time to these things than few. Like they acquired DeRozan last August, right? In that sign trade, like it's been like what six 17 months like that's nothing that's nothing yeah. but i i get how fans are but at some point they're an interesting case study and how long do you ride out a thing that isn't you know amazing and i i'll be interested to see how long the bulls do what they're done i i i've said this on locked on bulls i've said this on my platform on a breeze i've said this everywhere i would rather deal with bulls fans who would sit there and trash zach levine for the first 35 games of the season coming off of knee injury and then he starts playing well, and they're like, he's my favorite player yet again. <laughs> and this is why. Then deal with fans like fans in certain cities that that walk out on their team in the NBA Finals. That that you'll be like, hey, don't the Heat play today? And they're just like, uh. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I love the fact that we have fans, that we have fanatics, that we have people that, and AK said this, that want to fix the team. At the, at the bottom line, right, everybody wants to fix this team. They want championship seven. I'll deal with that all day, every day over certain teams that just kind of, they have fans, but then like, you know, if something else is going on that night, they may not be at the game. <laughs> yeah. It's a tricky balance of uh, getting connected with your fan base, being interesting, being good, all those sorts of things that front offices think about that we don't talk about as much. Pat, this was fun. This game will be fun at every Pacers Bulls game. It feels like has been super weird <laughs> in the last oh, yeah. couple of years. The one earlier this season, I think the Bulls are up like 20 in the first half and the Pacers cut it close. They still lost, but it was, uh, it's how a lot of these games go between these teams. The DeRozan game winner, we already referenced. Where can people follow you and your coverage of the Chicago Bulls and uh, outside of this platform, the rest of the Chicago sports teams? Uh, I mean, you can follow me on everything at Pat the Designer on Twitter. Um, we talk about everything Chicago Bulls over on Locked On Bulls, so follow us over there as well. Also, do the Windy City Breeze. That is my uh, my 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 baby, my my child that I have built from the ground up. Um, and we talk everything Chicago sports over there: Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs. Uh, I I spend a lot of my time depressed because we don't win much. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you can follow me and uh, and 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 chop up my optimism. Yeah, post two thousand, what have the Bulls had? Or the, what have the Bulls had? What have Chicago had? Blackhawks uh, twice. Hawks, three Hawks, times? Hawks was three times. Hawks is the best we've had. Hawks was Cubs, three White times. White Sox, that's it, right? White Sox one in 05. Cubs one in 15, 16. 15, 16. 15, 16, 15. I forget. I'm not a Cubs fan, so clearly, I mean, <laughs> doesn't matter. They won, and then they never did it again. Ah, well, the only Andy, uh, the only. Men's Indy Championship since 2000 was the Colts over the Bears. So there we go. Fever oh. won the 2012 WNBA title, of course. If you're on the Bulls side, I'm Tony East over at Locked On Pacers and on Twitter at T East NBA. Of course, on our shows, breaking down this game tomorrow. You won't want to miss that, as you don't want to miss any episode of your favorite Locked On podcast. Hope everybody had an awesome day, and we'll see you soon. Peace.